This is a Margaret Copeman Frankowitz with another episode of Diabetic Survival. Well, I've had a lot of interesting information come in and there's some things I'm excited about. There's some things I'm nervous about. There's some things that are just things. But, okay, so let me go ahead and talk about diabetes. Don't I always start off with diabetes? Actually, usually talk about world events. Um, my, I, well, okay, so one thing I want to say is my heart goes out to the family and friends of Gabby Petito. Of course, she's been big on the news. Uh, if you've been paying attention to the story, um, and of course, um, unfortunately, she was found not necessarily in the best conditions. Um, I want to do a story, I, I started doing a story on domestic violence months ago, but decided not to do it. Um, it's a really hard topic to actually talk about, um, especially since I myself have been through it, and um, women who are very vulnerable uh, with their spouses or partners, um, it's kind of hard to talk about something that um, can lead to death. So, um, of course, to all those women out there who are in bad relationships, I, you know, you can do it. Get out on your own. You can do it. And it's, it's not worth your life. A relationship is not worth your life. So um, definitely reach out to somebody that you trust. And if you don't have anybody that you trust, you're going to have to be tough going to have to, you know, you're going to have to do it alone, and may God be with you, God will be with you, just so you know. Okay, so with that being said, I wanted to talk about, and this is, this is a subject nobody likes to talk about, nobody likes to talk about poor people and the homeless, I mean, or if we talk about it, we talk about it, but we don't really look at solutions, and you know, I'm always about, um, you know, looking for solutions because, you know, just talking about a problem is, is just kind of like, would just make me a clanging bell, right? I mean, I, don't, I certainly don't want to be a clanging bell. And uh, so I've been out here looking for solutions because it's one of the most difficult challenges that we face, especially when you have governors like what you see in California, um, you know, former gov- governors, I don't know if he's still governor, where he's saying, oh, yes, we have this great project for, for people who are facing homelessness or, you know, lack of income. And really, they just don't do anything for them, and they end up taking the funds and, I don't know, bigging a, building a bigger penis or something. I don't know what they're doing with that, but, you know, you know their, their building has to be bigger than the rest. You know, it's just a complete waste. So uh, the thing is, is that people think... You know, they automatically think that homelessness means that that person is a drug addict or an alcoholic and blow that person off. Um, Just so you know, that person is somebody's mother, brother, sister, loved one, aunt, uncle, cousin. That's a human being right there that you're talking about. So, you know... They're not pointing the finger and judging you. Maybe you shouldn't be judging them. Or maybe they are judging you. Because maybe you deserve it. But anyways. 
the point being is, is what is the answer to homelessness? I mean, you have intelligent people thinking about this, but, you know, for like a day and then they just don't think about it anymore. Then there's people that are continuously thinking about this. And what can we do? Is it best just to give them food? Is it best just to give them a place to live? Is it best to just do this? Um, well, let me tell you. Let me tell you, let's, let's first define who is the homeless person. Well, a homeless person can be a lot of different people. But, um, so, so you're probably wondering, why am I talking about this on a diabetes channel? Well, okay, so here's the thing about being a diabetic. Is, um, there's a lot of things about your life that can change. Your living situation, your money situation, uh, how, much, how much you spend, where your budget goes. Uh, let's say you didn't have a retirement before you became a diabetic, but you were working on that. But now, now that you're a diabetic, now you have to, to you know, pay for your doctor because you can't f- afford, uh, for instance, uh, Biden's wonderful medical plan because now it's like $400, $450 a month. Um, and so now that extra money that you would have been saving for retirement is now going into the hands of a doctor somewhere. So you don't have the money. I, I know this because I've, I've been there. I'm in that situation. I'm in that boat. So you got to start thinking, well, I guess i got to reduce where I live. So the next thing you know, you're living in a studio apartment. You're working two and a half jobs, and you're wondering, what the heck happened? I mean, I was doing fine on one job 20 years ago. I was paid twice as much. And now look at me. I can't seem to get ahead. And I have all this schooling behind me, all this education, and it's not doing me any good. This does happen, people. I mean, if you're fortunate enough to have some type of CEO job where, you know, you live in a a beautiful house and you have a beautiful life and a beautiful spouse and beautiful children. Hey, you don't need to listen to my podcast either. Just go back to your life. Turn me off. Go back to your little life. You don't need to listen. But I guess what I'm more directing this towards are the people who actually do need assistance. I mean, there's the ones that are listening to this channel that need assistance. And, you know, I've been, I've been studying this for a long time. I've had, I mean, there's nothing, there's no better way to study something than to be at, at ground zero. I'm not necessarily at ground zero, but I do keep my ears open. I do listen. I listen to the stuff other people don't want to listen to so that I can find solutions. Yay! But I also would hope that if you're, if you're the, the kind of person that has this beautiful life, and for instance, you have like this big, huge house, and you got lots of money in the bank, and you got a great job, and you have a fancy car, and stuff of that nature, that you have a little bit of compassion, or you probably do have a little bit of compassion, which is the reason why you're still listening, and maybe there's a way that you can help in some form, fashion, or another. That'd be great, right? But how do you do that? Well, okay, so you know what? I've been looking at this for a long time. And so we're talking about totally taking care of somebody's, you know, full well-being. Because you have homeless people out there that are also diabetics. And that's the only reason why they're homeless is because they're trying to afford their medications, they're trying to afford their doctors. Um, They're doing the best they can. You have homeless people that might be living under bridges there's probably a good chance they they already have accumulated some wealth because you know they're not lazy they've had a job or they've had a family something unfortunate may have happened um for instance death of loved one or loved ones and it really kind of um 
works on the psyche, so to speak. So, I mean, it, it kind of damages you. So, you have people living in their cars, or living with friends, or couch surfing. Um, they're living in, in, believe it or not, shacks. Sometimes, some somebody with good intentions, mind you, might have somebody living in a Home Depot shed in the back. I've heard stories about that. That's horrible. And they're paying rent to the person who's renting it to them, but they don't have a bathroom in there. They don't have clean water. They don't have electricity. They're being treated like... They're not being treated well. That's not right. But at least they have a place to live. But that's not acceptable. It's not... It's not anything we would find acceptable. As a matter of fact, I, I, I just absolutely floored when people suggest and I, I've I've okay taking a deep breath here a long time ago I knew this little lady and she thought it was completely appropriate to actually set up Home Depot sheds in her backyard and rent them out and I was just absolutely floored that she was okay with that but you know, substandard housing. So, I mean, anybody who's actually thinking about being like a slumlord or, or, or put people in substandard housing, I think they mean well, but it's, it's, it's degrading the human individual. Um, it's just kind of like the same, same way where I've seen people, you know, put up, you know, fences and stuff to prevent the homeless from sleeping under bridges because it's dangerous or whatnot, but, you know, homeless have found that that was the only reliable shelter that they actually had because the actual shelter shelters, quote-unquote, when they called them, were too full. Well, just so you know, shelter shelters have been too full since the 90s. I remember calling for friend, a friend one time who needed to find a new place to live and she didn't have anywhere to go, so it was a shelter, and trying to find a place was impossible. And, of course... She could have slept on my couch if I had one. Unfortunately, I didn't have a couch for her to sleep on. As a matter of fact, I was in the dorms at Job Corps. So it's not like I could necessarily hide her like on my couch or something in my home. Or I would have. To this day, I don't even have a couch. But, anyways. Okay, so... Um, this is a very hard topic to talk about. I mean, I could literally talk about this for days and days and days, but I'm going to try to break it down, try not to go over an hour on this, but I'm going to try to bring up some really good points. Thank you for continuing to listen and put up with us. I know this is hard, a hard topic to actually listen to. It's kind of hard to know that your neighbor may or may not go homeless because they may or may not be able to afford their doctor or their insulin or whatever, but see... Our, the medication that we take is, is kind of, it, I'm gonna, I was going to say kind of, but it is life or death. It literally is. The foods that we eat are literally life and death. So there are certain things that are just not compromisable. Somebody's taking care of their health, trying to survive. And it really shouldn't be one of those difficult things where you decide, should I take care of my health this month? Or should I just go homeless? Or, I mean, I'm not homeless, but should I take care of my health or should I just let it go so I'm not homeless, is what I'm trying to say. So, okay, so this is one of these topics, and I was thinking about this when I took a brief pause, but, you know, people like to judge others. People like to put conditions on others, which is, you just, 
don't do it. You know, you live your life, let other people live their life. I mean, you know what, if I want an oil incense burner in my house, and I want to use a little tea light candle to actually light that incense, you know what? I have every right to do that. If I'm renting a room and I'm paying you money for that, then I should be able to do that. I'm just, I'm just bringing that up as a point because I lived in a place one time where you were not allowed to light any candles. Um, landlords have crazy rules. You're paying them good money. I, I understand they may have a reason why they do that, but um, the, the fact of the matter is just get better insurance if, if that's the case because if you're going to be that paranoid about somebody lighting the tea light candle and lighting their incense, even though they're, you know, they're perfectly responsible, never burned anything down in their lives, then um, it's not the tenant that has a problem. It's you. Go see a psychologist. Okay? I'm just going to say that point blank. Uh, there's people that need their pets. And you know, landlords might say things such as, well, if they really need it, then they need to get a note from their doctor. Well, that's just great. You already know that the doctor is not affordable to this poor person, yet you're going to insist that, you know, they pay, you know, $150 to go see a doctor because they don't technically have insurance right now, so they got to pay that, that money. they got to get their prescription drugs plus, you know, get some kind of note if their doctor is nice enough to actually write that for them just so that they can have a pet in your place, which, by the way, you're still charging the pet deposit, and oh yeah, oh, you raise the pet deposit to $1,000 a month, which... Yeah, some landlords actually do that. And they're scum of the earth, and they don't care, and may they die. Anyways, um, okay, yeah, I, I can be very honest in my podcast because they're mine. So sometimes I say things that are not necessarily ear-pleasing, I guess. Okay, so um, this is this is reality here. I was just talking to a friend the other day, as a matter of fact, who, um, she had rescued two kittens. Plus her heart, um, you know, it was kitten six season and she saw these kittens, fell in love with them, had to have them, had to rescue them. She wants to provide them with a forever home. You know, bless her, may God bless her for actually choosing to do that because she's taking care of the little ones. Now, mind you, she has every intention upon getting these kittens fixed. I have a cat, too. He'll be fixed sometime this year when he's old enough as well. So, you know, these are responsible pet owners here. I'm responsible. My friend's being responsible. Uh, I'm not going to say anything about the person who had the pregnant cat because who knows maybe they rescued a pregnant cat I know I've rescued a pregnant cat in the the past so I'm not going to judge don't throw judgments out don't assume things get the facts before you start (laughs) pointing fingers at people okay so um so she really went through a time with her landlord her landlord had just found out about her kittens now this is something that could have been taken care of with a note on the door like we saw that you had two kids kittens. Now, just to remind you that the pet rents a thousand dollars, so you need to work something out with the office. Otherwise, we're going to have to, you know, you're going to have to leave because you're not following your lease. Instead of that, it's just like, stick a note on her door. You have five days to move out. Wow. Wonderful compassion there. Now, I've been in her apartment. I owed her money. I had to pay her back. But I've been in her apartment. It's just, well, one-bedroom apartment. There's nothing special about this apartment. 
I've heard about her neighbors. Definitely not. I think it's overpriced. Okay. That's my opinion, right? <sighs> yes, I'm signing. I don't really like landlords, for the most part. If I can go out of my way not to talk to them, I will go out of my way not to talk to them. Why? Because they have a different mindset. They just want the money. If they could help it, you would not be there and they would still collect. So, you know, to kick somebody out and still collect the money, <laughs> that's your typical landlord. Evil, awful, nasty people. Okay. Now, this is what I actually wanted to say. It's taken me 17 minutes to actually say what I need to say. We need really good men and women of faith to rebuild communities. I'm not talking about being, you know, uh, slumlords. I have a cousin who's a slumlord. And you know what? That's the reason why I know what slumlords are like. They really don't care about the human individual. They don't care if you're suffering. They don't care if they have bugs going in and out of their apartments. They don't care. All they care about is that money. You know what? With the housing market the way that it is, and the fact that it's overpriced, the fact that most people don't even look at houses nowadays as, as a form of, you know, um, being a livable and habitable location. I mean, the American dream is the American scream because you're screaming because you can't seem to afford the American dream. You're constantly screaming because you can't afford life. And, and when you finally get your footing to where you might be able to, then you get sick and you still can't afford it. Or something bad happens. Like, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is the reason why some women don't leave their men is because, you know, of course, their men are the sole support. And then, then the guy just decides to leave because he's a flake. No good, no good Nick. Next thing you know, the, the lady is left on her own. Um, but I have found in society that society doesn't really care about widows and orphans either. And that's the people that we should be taking care of as well. Especially widows and orphans. But divorcees too. They're like widows and widowers. Yeah, I'm talking about the men too. They lose a spouse, they lose half their support. Okay, so that brings me to my next point. This is what I'm excited about. We need good men and women. To actually go out there and create something that I have found absolutely amazing. Um, and my thoughts to this started off with the Rin Fest, actually, the Renaissance Festival, believe it or not. I was actually looking at the community that actually grew around the Renaissance Festival. Now, I didn't necessarily like what went on in a, re in a Renaissance Festival because you had a lot of sleazy stuff actually going on, and I didn't like that. Um, so, um, give it a few years, and you have this tiny community pop up in Austin, Texas. Actually, they've been around since, I forgot when, but in Austin, Texas, they have this community first village, is what they call it, where they have these little tiny houses where people can actually have one of these little tiny homes and join the community, community of, of potters and painters and people working on their crafts doing metalwork. How cool is that? How cool is it to know that your neighbor's a painter and they're truly happy? 
So this morning I was scrolling through this page, and I mean, it was something that was in the back of my mind because it's something I looked at, you know, a year or two ago. And I'm like, oh, that's really cute. But then I started scrolling through the pages and all the happy faces. Now, either they're telling them to smile in the photos, but, you know, when I was looking at their faces, they looked genuine. They looked happy. They looked satisfied. They looked like they were taken care of. These are people that they have actually gotten off the street in Austin, Texas, and actually put into these tiny homes. And they do like uh, 90 times a year or something, where they select, you know, they, they actually raise the money to actually build these houses, and they take people off the streets, and they put them in their own home, and they don't have anything to worry about anymore. I, I think that that's wonderful. But it's like a random draw. I mean, you can't, I mean, there's so little that's actually so so few that are allowed to actually go into these tiny homes and there's so much need in multiple communities but you know I've heard of this stuff going on in Oregon too like they have the little tiny houses in Oregon as well so Oregon and Texas they've allowed it but everywhere else has rejected it because of course then you would you know there would be no money for the evil awful landlords who are just basically bleeding people dry so you know, there's always that. But, you know, I actually saw, for instance, some of the pottery that they were creating, some of the paintings that they were doing. And you know what? I am more likely to actually buy from that tiny village. Um, so I, I actually do want to visit it one of these days so I can actually help support some of the, the local artists that are there. Um, I think that is amazing that they've created. I think, I think um, the pastor was saying that they started off by, uh, you know, they, they had this, this food wagon or food truck or whatnot, and they went out to the community and they fed, I think they said their first time out, they fed 75 people. But see, this is the stuff that makes me cry because they're taking care of people, you know, people like us, people who may fall down on hard times or who don't want hard times. And, I mean, I don't know, I mean, back when I was a bus driver, because I've, I've been a truck driver and a bus driver both uh, for, you know, quite a few years. I've always dealt with transportation. That's just my thing. And um, I remember being a bus operator, and I wasn't making bad money. I was certainly making more then than I am now, and that was back in 95. But at the time, I was, or no, it was 2005. But um, I was thinking about the times back in, you know, the early 2000s where I was making $30 an hour. And I really missed that. I really missed making that money because I didn't have to worry as much about my bills. I just put my money in my account and just lived my life and did my, did my duty or did what I was supposed to do. And now that I'm making even less, it's like, you know, they've just kind of, they've kind of beat the whole, I want to work thing out of me. And I, I love working. I've, I've been working since I was, you know, been making money since I was six, actually. But, um, you know, this is babysitting dollar here and there. First actual job was when I was 12, but I was under the table. So, um, kind of interesting. My, my work history is kind of interesting, but I've always worked. I've always been one of those workaholics. Um... But yeah, seeing the tiny communities that they actually have, um, again, it is called, and they do have a website too, or a webpage, it's called Community First Village. Please look that one up on your Facebook page. 
um, or just type it in. I don't know if they have a web page or not, but um, I mean, there's probably somebody out there that's like, oh, that's a great idea. I think I'm going to go join one of those places. Well, okay, here's here's the deal. Um, like that place, they only take 90 people a year. Um, I don't know if you've seen the border and all the, the Mexicans trying to get across the border, you know, where there's like, you know, 10,000 people there. Um, but just think of it this way. They're only letting nine participants out of that 10,000 into that little tiny village. So it's kind of like winning the lottery at this point to actually do that. So I think what needs to happen is, um, because I, I know that the people who, who raise money for certain things, such as feeding the homeless or sheltering them or homing them or whatnot, they're looking for solutions. Well, the tiny homes are probably the best solution. And I'm going to tell you what, that is a place that is so intriguing to me that I actually want to be there because there's that sense of community. And there's a reason why they call it a village. Because you know, everybody gets to know everybody. And how cool is that? I just think it's really awesome. It's not a cult. Um, if you want to join a cult, there's plenty of places I can say it might be culty, but cultish. But this is, is like a, this free little moving community of, of lovely people uh, doing lovely things. People who suffered from medical conditions um, such as diabetes or cancer. And, uh, you know, they've, they've spent a lot of money towards their treatments. And unfortunately, they've ended up in that homeless category because of it. You know, I, I, you know, I, I know how that feels. It sucks. Um, but if you are a leader of any type in a religious organization or affiliation, you're trying to find a way to help people. This is the way to do it. One, you need to get land. Two, you need to, to work with some architects on how to build these tiny houses. Make sure they have running water and electricity and you know plumbing. That's, that's kind of serious because you don't want to have substandard housing. You don't want to. I mean, you want to try to lift that person up as much as possible without like, you know, I mean, you don't have to like cater them or anything. Uh, they want to be self-sufficient and independent. It doesn't really matter if... Um, their home is, you know, the size of a studio apartment or smaller. They just want that independence. But I'm going to tell you from my perspective what it's like to be in a studio apartment. I wish I could knock down these walls and have uh, four times as much room. I'm just being honest. I don't like being, in, you know, closed up box. And uh, the perfect example of this is when I was a truck driver. It was absolutely miserable. Uh, working a year at a time as a truck driver and being boxed up in something the size of my walk-in closet at home. So, um, you know, of course, the more space, the better, the more the person is able to feel, you know, alive, so to speak. So, um, I think villages are good for everyone, really. I mean, just everyone. It gives you a sense of dignity and purpose. And I would have to say, when those walls feel too small and you have plenty of money saved up, maybe move into a bigger village and just kind of work the way up. So I think the infrastructure of how we actually look at houses, or housing, I should say, is ridiculous. Because, you know, especially when you think about a young couple and they're just starting out, and so they get this really sleazy apartment 
um, you know, 5,000 miles away, and it's, you know, ran by a slumlord who really doesn't care, just give me the money. And so, like, let's say there's drugs going in and out of there, and there's all kinds of bugs, insects, whatever, because the people can't afford something better. I mean, we, we've kind of done it to where we degrade people's dignity right away, right off the bat, and don't really give a care. And um, that's part of the problem. I mean, nobody wants to live in substandard conditions. It degrades the mind. It demoralizes the person. And the thing is, is if you want to be respected, you have to respect others. You have to treat, you have to treat other people the way that you want to be treated. Otherwise, um, you kind of get what you deserve type, type deals. So uh, then, then you're in an unsafe community, etc. Because, you know, everybody wonders. I mean, not everybody wonders about how, like, criminals are, are actually made or anything. I don't know. But I'm sure there's some people out there who, who do think about that. But, I mean, if we actually give every individual dignity and purpose for living, then you're going to see a better society. It's just going to happen. But if you're constantly degrading somebody, then you kind of get what you deserve. So there's that. Think about that for a minute. Okay, so there are places like Idaho that won't have tiny houses for people. They don't care about people. They have all this land out there, and what they're looking for, they're looking for the money. And this is really unfortunate because even Idahoans are complaining about this. They're like, man, real estate's really gotten expensive. And I've even been warned by family, you don't want to move back to Idaho at this point because they're going a little bit crazy. you got a bunch of people rolling in from California with all this money in their pockets. And there's a reason for that. There's a bunch of people from other countries that are moving into California and buying up all the land because they got all this money. Right? So Cal- they're pushing Californians out. And Californians have been going to Arizona for years. And uh, now for the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, they've been going to Idaho. Uh, Washington, Oregon, and all these cities and states are just kind of sick of it, but they have, there's nothing they can do about it. A huge, huge majority of Californians have rolled into Nevada, and Nevada is just, oh my goodness, I mean, that state's going to be full in like 10 years, so I mean, you know, if you're going to move to Nevada, you better move there soon, because before long, it's going to be all California. So, you know, with this whole um, housing explosion or whatnot, I want you to take, really take, if you own a house, I want you to really take a good look at your house. Is it necessarily worth what you paid for it? Um, just so you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a brick and mortar type girl myself. A lot of the houses I see in Arizona... They may have a little bit of brick for show, but they're not really brick. Now, back east, you know, even the buildings where they, they make the, uh, like, a fast food restaurant. I noticed how this fast food restaurant was popping up really fast. They're making it out of brick. People don't even use brick anymore. At least not on the west coast. Um, you know, of course, there's reasons why they make brick houses on the east coast. Probably because it's better quality, better condition. Um, but also another thing, okay, so it's in my opinion that if you buy a brick house, you're buying an actual good house. 
if you're buying something that's just made with a bunch of drywall, you're buying a crap house. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the three little pigs, you know, one had like a straw house, one had a stick house or something, and then the last one had a brick house. Another two pigs ended up running to the guy's house with a brick house because it was better made. And, you know, I got it when I first saw the story. I'm like, okay, so the brick house is better than the, I don't know, the straw house or the stick house. Because other, other houses are going to just like, you know, crumble. I mean, and we're not even talking trailers because trailers are, well, they're trailers. They shouldn't be pricing those for that much money, but they do. It's horrible. So I'm not saying by any means that, you know, everybody needs to sleep. So there's some people living out in the boonies and they're perfectly happy because they're tired of society. <laughs> so they, they've just dealt with a lot of muck out there and they just want to live their own life the way that they choose. That's fine. But there's other people out there, me especially, that would absolutely love living in a tiny community because it gives me a sense of, 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 community action and uh, interaction with other people. I mean, villages aren't necessarily a bad thing, um, actually knowing the community in which I live. Now, of course, I'm from a really small town in Page, Arizona, is where I originated from. I I mean, I didn't wasn't born there, but I was born in Arizona. So, um, but I lived there for about 12 years or so, and it was nice, a, a town of about 10,000. And that was a interesting little community. Um, of course, you know, everybody was independent, self-sufficient, and so uh, the community sense was there, but it wasn't there, so to speak. Um, you didn't have, like, a lot of artisans popping out, because that's not how you made your money. And I think that the uh, person, when you're working for the corporate world, which there's quite a few people that absolutely detest the corporate world. I've now, I go to Walmart, so, you know, my bad. Whatever. I get everything at Walmart. Walmart is kind of like my community, but not really a community, not really a village or anything. Um, and, you know, they have artist supplies there where you can make stuff, but, you know, it's not like you can really sell or anything. But we're talking about in these little villages and stuff, there's people actually, and this is what I loved about the Renfest, too, and people love the Renfest that actually happened because they love seeing the artisans they like seeing people happy. They like seeing people sell their artworks, and etc. And it's just such a beautiful part of the community to actually own something that a local artist actually created. And uh, I think that uh, for an artist, uh, community-type presence is absolutely an amazing thing. And so it's going to be like my in-game goal. So... Um, my in-game goal is to be a part of one of these, you know, communities, eventually. Or villages, as you'd want to call them. So I'm absolutely baffled why Idaho does not embrace the, the community-type, village-type, but maybe they just don't like artisans. I don't know. I think that um, artisans are great. I know that there is, like, a tiny community in... I believe Arizona is called Jerome where you have a lot of local artisans and stuff and you just have happy people because they're doing what they love to do and how many people would love to do that they have some talent that they want to actually share 
uh, with the rest, rest of their community and the rest of the world, if whatnot, you know. Um, it's just a better sense of well-being. And um, especially when you have a bunch of like-minded people there, they're struggling for different reasons, you know, medical issues. I mean, we all get older. How much better is it to retire in a village, uh, like a little tiny village, and have your, you know, your, your independent individualism as compared to, uh, go, you know, expecting to go to a retirement home um, and just become a corporate member? And you may or may not get proper care and you might get neglected. And, you know, when I worked in some of these facilities, these nursing homes, I just saw it was just a sad place. It was just a very sad place. People go there to die. Well, you can die anywhere. So the thing is, though, is that they can't keep up with their functioning. You know, they don't have their their individual... Um, capacities and so of course some things are just different but um, there's a lot of older people who keep their faculties together and they still can create and they still have purpose so I I think that's what it's more geared towards so um, me and a friend were actually talking and he's like you know I'm just getting really tired of this you know going back and forth and you know he's had some medical conditions and issues to where he's not getting support that he needs at home because of course they're all corporate minded and stuff you know you have to you know achieve these big impossible to reach dreams and not really be your wonderful creative self anymore and I think that um, maybe shifting your focus from uh, the corporate world and making them money and, you know, making them happy has really driven a lot of people to, you know, <clears throat> depression and some people, God forbid, suicide and uh, all kinds of detrimental things that come with, you know, with not being able to achieve everything that they have the potential to achieve. So, yes, I approve... Psh- get a stamp of approval out and definitely approve the whole village idea. So what I think needs to happen, I mean, obviously we can't all rush to Houston, Texas, and or I think it's Austin, Texas, and join this uh, village because, I mean, if they only have 90 spots available every year, then obviously the problem is, is the availability of it. And so I'm kind of hoping some developers out there, you know, get a clue to what the people need and what is fun in life. And I think we need to bring fun back into life because, you know, as you get older, you know, your, your kids grow up, they move away, people get divorced, you know, people become widows, widowers. And what do I do now? What next? What step do I take next? Corporate world's not satisfying enough. I'm just going to buy a plot of land and build my own house and be miserable out in the middle of the desert because nobody understands me. Well, no, 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 no. Hold up, hold up. People do understand. They understand you. There's other people that are not perfect either. And they're creating these communities. <laughs> it's amazing. One of the one of the wonderful goals that I had when I was actually in Idaho is, is I was actually exploring the tiny villages myself and thinking, wow, wouldn't it be great if Idaho had a tiny community? 
where we had artisans and we had all kinds of fun events and this is really a lot of fun. This is great. If I could live at the Rinfest, you know, 365 days a year and just create something like pottery, for instance. And I, I actually am a skilled potter. Took it in college. I'm a skilled painter. I have not taken that in college. That one is kind of a muck up, but I did take drawing. And so uh, my painting is actually coming from, I don't know where I'm, I'm doing pretty good as a painter. I'm doing okay. I, mean, I could definitely do a little bit better, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, the thing is, is the fact that I can finish a piece and then like sell it to pay for my existence is amazing. So I wouldn't mind living in a community where I don't have to get in my car and drive to work. I would absolutely love to live in a community where I can just walk down the street, get my exercise and, you know, you know fire up that potter's wheel and, and be able to like start throwing pottery left and right. I love that idea. I mean, there's plenty of places all around the world that do that. Of course, they're in third world countries, but at the same time, they're happy. And we've lost happiness in America. We've, we've just absolutely lost it. But when I look at the smiling faces and the people who were so satisfied in these little communities, I realized they hit their euphoria. They found it. But they had to go all the way to the bottom in order to find the euphoria where they're happy now and they can't afford to go to the doctor and they can't afford their medications and they are making money and they have somewhere to live they're just happy they're satisfied so in one case it's really sad that i don't see more of these these tiny homes taking off um, and making other people satisfied but but I think that um, if we can actually do this, we'd actually be a happier society. Nothing wrong with a tiny village. As a matter of fact, all I can see is everything right about it. So I know this isn't going to make some landlords happy. As a matter of fact, it's going to depress them because, you know, they're just out to make money. You know what? You got the corporate world. Go make your money. But for the rest of us and the people who just want to be happy and want to be satisfied, let's support our tiny house uh, functions. Let's look into it. Let's make it grow and let's help each other out. So I want anybody who's interested in that to check it out themselves. Go to Facebook, go to Community First Village. Type in Community First Village. Check it out yourself. Look at the people there. Look at the buildings. I want you to see how happy they actually are. My in-game goal is to be one of those people in those little tiny villages working on a potter's wheel or doing a painting or uh, something creative uh, or creating my podcast because uh, that's something that I do spend an extensive amount of time on and uh, just helping other people. And I've said it before in multiple podcasts. Um, please review my other podcasts that I have because, of course, I'm all about uh, supporting the diabetic community at a large global scale um, and trying to make our lives better because somebody's got to do it. Me, you, anybody, somebody. So, you know, I'm all about taking action here. So, um, yeah. Yeah.
Well, that's about all the information that I have on the tiny community. I know it wasn't a lot, but I mean, it's something to think about. Um, I love the way that they're structured, the way that they're actually structuring, structuring it, uh, the, the tiny community in Texas. I think that is absolutely a, um, just an idea that can be mimicked in, mimicked in every single state in the U.S. or anywhere, really. Um, if it was up to me, it'd be in every city. But it's also very appealing, and it would actually end the homelessness crisis that we know of. So instead of some, some people, you know, hanging out downtown because they have nowhere else to go, um, I mean, it's just sad to see people with all this talent and it's being wasted because they're being treated like, you know, like they're a problem rather than being a part of society. I mean, how would you feel if you were treated like a problem, not a part of society? You feel a little bit off too. I mean, these people have talent. Let's bring it out. Let's create an environment that they're happy to be in so they can do what they love. Like make podcasts all day or paintings or storytelling or you know, write some amazing books. I mean, look out, look at throughout history. Um, I think even the, the Gnostic principles were created out of little communities. So you know, they went to their little caves because they were in hiding and stuff and so they, they knew who each other were and then they wrote these manuscripts and put them in like little pottery thing for us to find like 2,000 years later. So um, there's a point in it. The point is, is giving individuality back to the individual instead of taking it away through corporate means. There's a solution, people. What are we going to do about it? Now that you have a solution, instead of spending billions of dollars on military equipment and then, like, leaving it in Afghanistan, what a complete waste of money, right? Um, maybe we should have these tiny communities spring up to actually make people individuals. And people will still buy houses. It'll happen. People don't like the communities anymore or they have no talent. So they want to work for the corporate world and then they'll buy houses. But, you know, this would actually improve everyone because here's the thing, is that the house that you buy is no longer a crap house. Remember when I was telling you about the crap houses? Like, West Coast, sorry, you got crap houses. You move back east and you see more of the brick and mortar, the more uh, intricate designs. You see all kinds of amazing houses happening on the east coast that you don't see on the west coast. So, um, perspective's huge. And... It's something you do notice, but you don't notice when you're traveling. But when you actually live in a place, like I live in Huntington, West Virginia, and I'm just amazed at the cathedrals and the buildings that they have. It's just, I mean, the downtown area has some of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen. Um, you know, I, I'm not attracted to skyscrapers, sorry. I mean, glass building, square building that holds a lot of different businesses not attractive. So I, I do like a lot of the older architecture. They look more like castles rather than, than you know, like buildings. So um, I guess it's perspective too. So I, I really appreciate the nicer looking buildings and uh, seeing 
what people have actually built with purpose. Okay, with that being said, I have talked about this for almost 50 minutes. You're probably tired of listening to me talk. I can talk forever. Uh, this has been Margaret Coleman Frankwitz. Please be kind to each other. Um, and I am on a new site. I just picked up another site. I got so many of them, I can't even count them anymore. The site is called Verbal. It's B-U-R-B-L. And allegedly, they are like uh, YouTube to the podcast world. So, yay, I made Verbal. So you can listen to me on that, plus a slew of other different channels or the one that you frequent. Just make sure to like and subscribe if you have that option available to you. And, uh, of course, if you have any diabetic friends, please share this with them. I don't know if your non-diabetic friends would like this, but if they're pre-diabetic, they might. And, of course, I know that they, um, a lot of diabetics appreciate the information that's actually coming in. And, of course, I will definitely have podcasts about diabetes. So, um, say something about diabetes. It has something to do with diabetes. Yes, because I'm a diabetic girl. So... This has been, again, this is Margaret Coleman Frankowitz. Thank you for listening to the whole podcast. You're amazing. I'm okay. <laughs> I don't call myself amazing. I don't see myself in that light. But, but I think you're amazing. Thank you for liking and subscribing, sharing this with your friends, um, and uh, continuing uh, what I consider to be an amazing experience with some amazing diabetics who are looking to not only better themselves, but to better their world. Thank you. Be kind to each other and have a nice day.